section six of south sea tales by jack london this librivox recording is in the public domain the heathen part one i met him first in a hurricane and though we had gone through the hurricane on the same schooner it was not until the schooner had gone to pieces under us that i first laid eyes on him without doubt i had seen him with the rest of the canica crew on board but i had not consciously been aware of his existence for the petite jean was rather overcrowded in addition to her eight or ten canica seamen her white captain mate and supercargo and her six cabin passengers she sailed from rangeroa with something like eighty-five deck passengers pimotans and tahitians men women and children each with a trade box to say nothing of sleeping mats blankets and clothes bundles the pearling season in the pimotus was over and all hands were returning to tahiti the six of us cabin passengers were pearl buyers two were americans one was ah chun the whitest chinese i have ever known one was a german one was a polish jew and i completed the half dozen it had been a prosperous season not one of us had cause for complaint nor one of the eighty-five deck passengers either all had done well and all were looking forward to a rest-off and a good time in papayeti of course the petite jean was overloaded she was only seventy tons and she had no right to carry a tithe of the mob she had on board beneath her hatches she was crammed and jammed with pearl shell and copra even the trade-room was packed full with shell it was a miracle that the sailors could work her there was no moving about the decks they simply climbed back and forth along the rails in the night-time they walked upon the sleepers who carpeted the deck i'll swear too deep oh and there were pigs and chickens on deck and sacks of yams while every conceivable place was festooned with strings of drinking coconuts and bunches of bananas on both sides between the fore and main shrouds guys had been stretched just low enough for the foreboom to swing clear and from each of these guys at least fifty bunches of bananas were suspended it promised to be a messy passage even if we did make it in the two or three days that would have been required if the southeast trades had been blowing fresh but they weren't blowing fresh after the first five hours the trade died away in a dozen or so gasping fans the calm continued all that night and the next day one of those glaring glassy calms when the very thought of opening one's eyes to look at it is sufficient to cause a headache the second day a man died an easter islander one of the best divers that season in the lagoon smallpox that is what it was though how smallpox could come on board when there had been no known cases ashore when we left rancheroa is beyond me there it was though smallpox a man dead and three others down on their backs there was nothing to be done we could not segregate the sick nor could we care for them we were packed like sardines there was nothing to do but rot and die that is 
there was nothing to do after the night that followed the first death on that night the mate the supercargo the polish jew and four native divers sneaked away in the large whaleboat they were never heard of again in the morning the captain promptly scuttled the remaining boats and there we were that day there were two deaths the following day three then it jumped to eight it was curious to see how we took it the natives for instance fell into a condition of dumb stolid fear the captain aldose his name was a frenchman became very nervous and voluble he actually got the twitches he was a large fleshy man weighing at least two hundred pounds and he quickly became a faithful representation of a quivering jelly mountain of fat the german the two americans and myself bought up all the scotch whisky and proceeded to stay drunk the theory was beautiful namely if we kept ourselves soaked in alcohol every smallpox germ that came into contact with us would immediately be scorched to a cinder and the theory worked though i must confess that neither captain aldose nor Chun were attacked by the disease either the frenchman did not drink at all while Chun restricted himself to one drink daily it was a pretty time the sun going into northern declination was straight overhead there was no wind except for frequent squalls which blew fiercely for from five minutes to half an hour and wound up by deluging us with rain after each squall the awful sun would come out drawing clouds of steam from the soaked decks the steam was not nice it was the vapor of death freighted with millions and millions of germs we always took another drink when we saw it going up from the dead and dying and usually we took two or three more drinks mixing them exceptionally stiff also we made it a rule to take an additional several each time they hove the dead over to the sharks that swarmed about us we had a week of it and then the whiskey gave out it is just as well or i shouldn't be alive now it took a sober man to pull through what followed as you will agree when i mention the little fact that only two men did pull through the other man was a heathen at least that was what i heard captain aldose call him at the moment i first became aware of the heathen's existence but to come back it was at the end of the week with the whiskey gone and the pearl buyer sober then i happened to glance at the barometer that hung in the cabin companionway its normal register in the pimotus was twenty nine point nine zero and it was quite customary to see it vacillate between twenty nine point eight five and thirty point zero zero or even thirty point zero five but to see it as i saw it down to twenty nine point six two was sufficient to sober the most drunken pearl buyer that ever incinerated smallpox microbes in scotch whiskey i called captain aldose's attention to it only to be informed that he had watched it going down for several hours there was little to do but that little he did very well considering the circumstances he took off the light sails shortened right down to storm canvas spread lifelines 
and waited for the wind his mistake lay in what he did after the wind came he hove to on the port tack which was the right thing to do south of the equator if and there was the rub if one were not in the direct path of the hurricane we were in the direct path i could see that by the steady increase of the wind and the equally steady fall of the barometer i wanted him to turn and run with the wind on the port quarter until the barometer ceased falling and then to heave to we argued till he was reduced to hysteria but budge he would not the worst of it was that i could not get the rest of the pearl buyers to back me up who was i anyway to know more about the sea and its ways than a properly qualified captain was what was in their minds i knew of course the sea rose with the wind frightfully and i shall never forget the first three seas the petite jean shipped she had fallen off as vessels do at times when hove to and the first sea made a clean breach the lifelines were only for the strong and well and little good were they even for them when the women and children the bananas and coconuts the pigs and trade boxes the sick and the dying were swept along in a solid screeching groaning mass the second sea filled the petite jean's decks flush with the rails and as her stern sank down and her bow tossed skyward all the miserable dunnage of life and luggage poured aft it was a human torrent they came head first feet first sideways rolling over and over twisting squirming writhing and crumpling up now and again one caught a grip on a stanchion or a rope but the weight of the bodies behind tore such grips loose one man i noticed fetch up head on and square on with the starboard bit his head cracked like an egg i saw what was coming sprang on top of the cabin and from there into the mainsail itself ah chun and one of the americans tried to follow me but i was one jump ahead of them the american was swept away and over the stern like a piece of chaff ah chun caught a spoke of the wheel and swung in behind it but a strapping raritonga vahini which means woman she must have weighed two hundred and fifty brought up against him and got an arm around his neck he clutched the kanaka steersman with his other hand and just at that moment the schooner flung down to starboard the rush of bodies and sea that was coming along the port runway between the cabin and the rail turned abruptly and poured to starboard away they went vahini achun and the steersman and i swear i saw achun grin at me with philosophic resignation as he cleared the rail and went under the third sea the biggest of the three did not do so much damage by the time it arrived nearly everybody was in the rigging on deck perhaps a dozen gasping half-drowned and half-stunned wretches were rolling about or attempting to crawl into safety they went by the board as did the wreckage of the two remaining boats the other pearl buyers and myself between seas managed to get about fifteen women and children into the cabin and battened down little good it did the poor creatures in the end wind out of all my experience i could not have believed it possible for the wind to blow as it did 
there is no describing it how can one describe a nightmare it was the same way with that wind it tore the clothes off our bodies i say tore them off and i mean it i am not asking you to believe it i am merely telling something that i saw and felt there are times when i do not believe it myself i went through it and that is enough one could not face that wind and live it was a monstrous thing and the most monstrous thing about it was that it increased and continued to increase imagine countless millions and billions of tons of sand imagine this sand tearing along at ninety a hundred a hundred and twenty or any other number of miles per hour imagine further this sand to be invisible impalpable yet to retain all the weight and density of sand do all this and you may get a vague inkling of what that wind was like perhaps sand is not the right comparison consider it mud invisible impalpable but heavy as mud nay it goes beyond that consider every molecule of air to be a mud bank in itself then try to imagine the multitudinous impact of mud banks no it is beyond me language may be adequate to express the ordinary conditions of life but it cannot possibly express any of the conditions of so enormous a blast of wind it would have been better had i stuck to my original intention of not attempting a description i will say this much the sea which had risen at first was beaten down by that wind more it seemed as if the whole ocean had been sucked up in the maw of the hurricane and hurled on through that portion of space which previously had been occupied by the air of course our canvas had gone long before but captain aldose had on the petite jean something i had never before seen on a south sea schooner a sea anchor it was a conical canvas bag the mouth of which was kept open by a huge loop of iron the sea anchor was bridled something like a kite so that it bit into the water as a kite bites into the air but with a difference the sea anchor remained just under the surface of the ocean in a perpendicular position a long line in turn connected it with the schooner as a result the petite jean rode bow on to the wind and to what sea there was the situation really would have been favorable had we not been in the path of the storm true the wind itself tore our canvas out of the gaskets jerked out our topmasts and made a raffle of our running gear but still we would have come through nicely had we not been square in front of the advancing storm center that was what fixed us i was in a state of stunned numbed paralyzed collapse from enduring the impact of the wind and i think i was just about ready to give up and die when the center smote us the blow we received was an absolute lull there was not a breath of air the effect on one was sickening remember that for hours we had been at terrific muscular tension withstanding the awful pressure of that wind and then suddenly the pressure was removed i know that i felt as though i was about to expand to fly apart in all directions it seemed as if every atom composing my body was repelling every other atom and was on the verge of rushing off 
irresistibly into space but that lasted only for a moment destruction was upon us in the absence of the wind and pressure the sea rose it jumped it leaped it soared straight toward the clouds remember from every point of the compass that inconceivable wind was blowing in toward the centre of calm the result was that the seas sprang up from every point of the compass there was no wind to check them they popped up like corks released from the bottom of a pail of water there was no system to them no stability they were hollow maniacal seas they were eighty feet high at the least they were not seas at all they resembled no sea a man had ever seen they were splashes monstrous splashes that is all splashes that were eighty feet high eighty they were more than eighty they went over our mastheads they were spouts explosions they were drunken they fell anywhere anyhow they jostled one another they collided they rushed together and collapsed upon one another or fell apart like a thousand waterfalls all at once it was no ocean any man had ever dreamed of that hurricane center it was confusion thrice confounded it was anarchy it was a hell pit of sea-water gone mad the petite jean i don't know the heathen told me afterwards that he did not know she was literally torn apart ripped wide open beaten into a pulp smashed into kindling wood annihilated when i came to i was in the water swimming automatically though i was about two-thirds drowned how i got there i had no recollection i remembered seeing the petite jean fly to pieces at what must have been the instant that my own consciousness was buffeted out of me but there i was with nothing to do but make the best of it and in that best there was little promise the wind was blowing again the sea was much smaller and more regular and i knew that i had passed through the centre fortunately there were no sharks about the hurricane had dissipated the ravenous horde that had surrounded the death ship and fed off the dead it was about midday when the petite jean went to pieces and it must have been two hours afterwards when i picked up with one of her hatch covers thick rain was driving at the time and it was the merest chance that flung me and the hatch cover together a short length of line was trailing from the rope handle and i knew that i was good for a day at least if the sharks did not return three hours later possibly a little longer sticking close to the cover and with closed eyes concentrating my whole soul upon the task of breathing in enough air to keep me going and at the same time of avoiding breathing in enough water to drown me it seemed to me that i heard voices the rain had ceased and wind and sea were easing marvelously not twenty feet away from me on another hatch cover were captain aldose and the heathen they were fighting over the possession of the cover at least the frenchman was pnor i heard him scream and at the same time i saw him kick the canica now captain aldose had lost all his clothes except his shoes and they were heavy brogans it was a cruel blow for it caught the heathen on the mouth and the point of the chin half stunning him i looked for him to retaliate 
but he contented himself with swimming about forlornly a safe ten feet away whenever a fling of the sea threw him closer the frenchman hanging on with his hands kicked out at him with both feet also at the moment of delivering each kick he called the canica a black heathen for two sand teams i'd come over there and drowned you you white beast i yelled the only reason i did not go was that i felt too tired the very thought of the effort to swim over was nauseating so i called to the canica to come to me and proceeded to share the hatch cover with him otuo he told me his name was also he told me that he was a native of bora bora the most westerly of the society group as i learned afterward he had got the hatch cover first and after some time encountering captain aldose had offered to share it with him and had been kicked off for his pains and that was how otuo and i first came together he was no fighter he was all sweetness and gentleness a love creature though he stood nearly six feet tall and was muscled like a gladiator he was no fighter but he was also no coward he had the heart of a lion and in the years that followed i have seen him run risks that i would never dream of taking what i mean is that while he was no fighter and while he always avoided precipitating a row he never ran away from trouble when it started and it was where shoal when once otuo went into action i shall never forget what he did to bill king it occurred in german samoa bill king was hailed the champion heavyweight of the american navy he was a big brute of a man a veritable gorilla one of those hard-hitting rough-housing chaps and clever with his fists as well he picked the quarrel and he kicked otuo twice and struck him once before otuo felt it would be necessary to fight i don't think it lasted four minutes at the end of which time bill king was the unhappy possessor of four broken ribs a broken forearm and a dislocated shoulder blade otuo knew nothing of scientific boxing he was merely a manhandler and bill king was something like three months in recovering from the bit of manhandling he received that afternoon on apia beach but i am running ahead of my yarn we shared the hatch cover between us we took turn and turn about one lying flat on the cover and resting while the other submerged to the neck merely held on with his hands for two days and nights spell and spell on the cover and in the water we drifted over the ocean towards the last i was delirious most of the time and there were times too when i heard otuo babbling and raving in his native tongue our continuous immersion prevented us from dying of thirst though the sea-water and the sunshine gave us the prettiest imaginable combination of salt pickle and sunburn in the end otuo saved my life for i came too lying on the beach twenty feet from the water sheltered from the sun by a couple of coconut leaves no one but otuo could have dragged me there and stuck up the leaves for shade he was lying beside me i went off again and the next time i came round it was cool and starry night and otuo was pressing a drinking coconut to my lips we were the sole survivors of the petite jean 
captain aldose must have succumbed to exhaustion for several days later his hatch cover drifted ashore without him otuo and i lived with the natives of the atoll for a week when we were rescued by the french cruiser and taken to tahiti in the meantime however we had performed the ceremony of exchanging names in the south seas such a ceremony binds two men closer together than blood brothership the initiative had been mine and otuo was rapturously delighted when i suggested it it is well he said in tahitian for we have been mates together for two days on the lips of death but death stuttered i smiled it was a brave deed you did master he replied and death was not vile enough to speak why do you master me i demanded with a show of hurt feelings we have exchanged names to you i am otuo to me you are charlie and between you and me forever and forever you shall be charlie and i shall be otuo it is the way of the custom and when we die if it does happen that we live again somewhere beyond the stars and the sky still shall you be charlie to me and i otuo to you yes master he answered his eyes luminous and soft with joy there you go i cried indignantly what does it matter what my lips utter he argued they are only my lips but i shall think otuo always whenever i think of myself i shall think of you whenever men call me by name i shall think of you and beyond the sky and beyond the stars always and forever you shall be otuo to me is it well master i hid my smile and answered that it was well we parted at papieti i remained ashore to recuperate and he went on in a cutter to his own island bora bora six weeks later he was back i was surprised for he had told me of his wife and said that he was returning to her and would give over sailing on far voyages where do you go master he asked after our first greetings i shrugged my shoulders it was a hard question all the world was my answer all the world all the sea and all the islands that are in the sea i will go with you he said simply my wife is dead end of the heathen part one